Her name is Cameron Esposito, and she, yeah, you can do that. That's an appropriate response. Uh, Not only is she my co-host, she is also uh, my wife. What? But my wife is recording a stand-up set for the Late Late Show on International Women's Day, so that's why she's not here right now, but shout out to that. She's going to be on the Late Late Show on Thursday. Um, and she's there, and I am not there, uh, and I wanted to be there, but I wanted to also host this show, and she keeps texting me photos from being there, and, uh, she got to meet BB-8 today. Somebody just said, what? And that is the appropriate response. It's the real BB-8, you guys. (laughs) BB-8 is making appearances. Just rolling around, just rolling on through. Rolling like BB-8. I wish I could roll like BB-8, but I can't because I have to wear cool sneakers. <laughs> she also got to meet uh, a gentleman that like, I want to meet for only one reason, and that is because he is on one of my favorite television shows to watch. That television show is Shark Tank. <laughs> she got to meet Mark Cuban, Aww. who I only want to meet to see what his body actually looks like. <laughs> because, like, hey, I don't want to body shame anybody, not anybody at all, but Mark Cuban, I can totally body shame like a little bit. Because he is very rich. <laughs> he just has like a funny toddler body. He is an adult man who is what, seven feet tall? But he also is like, can I get some carrots? I just had like a long day, I'm gonna take a nap, but I want some carrots. He just like looks like a big toddler. Do you guys watch Shark Tank at all? Yes. <laughs> Before I could finish, you guys were like, yes! We all watch Shark Tank as it is ordered! It's so much fun to pretend to learn, you know? Like, that's, that's like how I feel about Shark Tank. Where I'm like, well, it is kind of educational. I mean, I'm learning about stuff I'm never gonna use, uh, and I have no money, and will probably never have any money, and also these people are just really rich and saying percentages that make no sense whatsoever, and this woman is trying to just sell peanut butter <laughs> that's peanut-free because a lot of people have allergies. I understand. <laughs> I do. My f- I think my favorite shark, though, is Robert Herjavec, son of immigrants. Um, <laughs> Robert Herjavec, who built his empire on software. I think I can't remember the whole thing. He's got a jet and some cars. I don't know. The last one I watched, he got into like a cryo freeze tank. I highly recommend that one. You watch a shark, a show called Shark Tank, and one of the sharks gets into another tank. Come on, that's good television right there. But my favorite moment was when, uh, I don't even know what it was. I think somebody was pitching some tech 
thing, I don't know, like an app or something. And uh, Lori Grenier, queen of QVC, um, which also, by the way, QVC, quality, value, convenience. If you didn't know that, you know it now. <laughs> I used to have a duffel bag with that on it, and I was like, I'm going to memorize that. Because someday I'm going to need to quote it. That day is today. <laughs> she was the queen of QVC. Uh, Lori Grenier sitting there. They're explaining this app, whatever it does, some technological thing. Uh, it might have been like a wind fan to create solar energy. And he was, it was like, he was an actual like chemist engineer explaining it just like fully. And she just goes like, I'm a woman. I don't understand things like this. And Robert goes, Lori, come on now. And just like, he was like, plenty of women understand science. And she goes, I don't know about that. And Barbara was like, she's right, we don't. And Robert went, this is ridiculous. And I was like, that's a feminist dude on Shark Tank. All right. I enjoyed it. I enjoy the show for the tiny feminist moments every now and then. Um, I don't know if you guys are watching the election at all. I currently have a heart murmur right now. Just <laughs> what's going on. And I'm trying to focus my energy away from the like fighting on the Democrat side because I don't think it's valuable. And more on the fact that like the media is just talking about Donald Trump 24 hours a day. I mean, even NPR is... I listened to NPR driving to Santa Monica last week on Super Tuesday. And that was like a 45-minute drive. And boy... Here's the thing. I hate, does anybody else hate driving to Santa Monica? <laughs> no offense if you live in Santa Monica. Then you like driving to Santa Monica for a good reason, because you live there. It's a great place. I just don't want to drive to it. Driving to Santa Monica is like getting my period. It happens once a month. It's an awful experience the whole way through. And I never want it to happen again. But I was driving to Santa Monica, not on my period, and I was listening to NPR the whole way for a 45-minute drive, and they were playing Donald Trump giving a speech, and then they cut into Donald Trump to, to Ted Cruz giving a speech, wherein he spoke almost completely about Donald Trump, and then they cut back from Ted Cruz to talking about Donald Trump. And that was NPR. <laughs> like, NPR was like, uh, I think Hillary Clinton won, and Bernie Sanders surprises again, and back to Trump! <laughs> it's Back to the Future Part 2, and we're all in the tangential 1985. <laughs> so my whole point is, uh, in November, regardless of what you think right now, and uh, if you're a Trump supporter, sorry. <laughs> Weird, also. <laughs> Weird that you're at UCB, but hey, I support all human beings. I'm sure there's something in there for you. Don't understand what it could possibly be, but uh, again, don't want to uh, body shame. I don't know. That, is, that, is that mind shaming? Thought shaming? <sighs> but anyway, I just think regardless, just vote this year. Like, please vote and please clap for that. Please clap. I feel so old, too. I feel so old being like, you guys should vote. And people are like, who gives a shit? <laughs> people are like on Snapchat, like making videos, like voting is stupid. That's like, that's like what 2016, when I was a kid, MTV was like, rock the vote. And now I'm like, 
I, should I have a rock the vote sticker on my walker? How old am I? Anyway, I don't want to talk about the election anymore. <laughs> it's giving me a heart murmur. And everybody's yelling at me. Men's rights activists. They get mad at me for everything. For being. <laughs> the one thing I will say about men's rights activists, it's very funny to me. They're mad at feminists because feminists are trying to take things away from them or trying to be equal or because they hate them, whatever it is that they think feminists think or, uh, you know, like any activist on any minority, this is what they're angry about. But the funny thing to me is that they don't actually fight things that are men's rights because I've never seen one of them be like, hey, we should get rid of the draft. You guys should be fighting that. Why are you fighting? I'm like, hey, uh, I don't like uh, when people tell me I should, I'm in the wrong bathroom and I feel scared and it's uh, very scary also for transgender people to go into the wrong bathroom and feel like they're going to be maybe murdered and stuff and men are like, shut up! Men's rights are shut up! Men's rights! <laughs> but like, they don't care about the one law that's like, hey, you have to sign up to maybe die? <laughs> Why? Because you're a man? <laughs> oh, well... Go America. <laughs> does not make any sense to me. <sighs> so on to something that's like not as uh, crazy. Um, I got a haircut. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sharp right. And that was the haircut I got. It was a sharp right. I'm, I'm really happy to like have found somebody that uh, I feel comfortable having cut my hair because like also, this is what I wanted to tell you up top. Has anybody watched uh, season two of Transparent? Yeah. Awesome. It's, I, it's a great season. I highly recommend it. Uh, I, I hopped in at episode five, and it was totally fine. So if you don't have the time, uh, people work really hard on television shows, I understand, but also there's a lot of shit to watch, and you can jump in on episode five. <laughs> the Amazon interface is kind of hard to use, so just jump right in on five. <laughs> Uh, but I really liked it. I, I, man, the costume, like, wardrobe on this season feels like a memory. Like, everything that Gabby Hoffman is wearing, I'm like, did I go to church with someone at some point in my life in 1992 with them wearing part of that outfit? It just feels great. What I'm talking about now is maybe affecting three people in the audience. But it's affecting them a lot. So that's why I'm talking about it. But the whole reason I even brought it up is that my barber was name-checked in the second season of Transparent. Like, somebody used his name as a character in the show. And, like, I'm just sitting there watching it. I'm watching it with Cameron. We're just having this great time watching it. And uh, these two characters are interacting. And uh, Sarah, the sister, is getting ready to leave. She's like, all right, see you later, pony. And that's the name of my barber, which, number one, fucking awesome. His name is fucking Pony. Come on. How cool am I that I even know somebody named Pony? And second, we jumped out of our couch, and we're just like, oh, that's in my hair! <laughs> so I highly recommend season two of Transparent. Find that name check. But I, it's just really great to find somebody that makes you feel comfortable getting your hair cut. Because, I mean, I know there's a lot of things in the world that are very tough, but, like, I have always hated getting my hair cut. It requires sitting in the mirror and watching somebody change the way you look. It's very weird. It's all very like Joker in 1989 Batman. You know, I just like, it's scary. You have to watch the whole thing that they talk to you and 
you don't know what's going on. And once I, I went to get my haircut when I was a kid. And also, I never could get the haircut I wanted, you know, because I wanted this haircut the whole time. <laughs> right as soon as I had hair, I was like, can we get, get rid of this, please? <laughs> like, I used to have very long hair when I was like six. And my mom would put these cute little barrettes in it. And I would just be like, <laughs> Like all day at school, I could not concentrate. It was just like, it's like having something in your tooth, but in your soul, you know? And then I would come home from school and uh, in my house, like the, it had a central staircase that had very strange and MC Escher, like a central staircase that had doors to it. So it was very much like my fortress of solitude. As soon as I shut those two doors and just looked at the stairs and I would rip them out with hair still attached and just throw them on the stairs like, I'm free! (laughs) My dad even still has a barrette with just hair dangling from it. He's like, you used to look so good with your long hair. (laughs) What in the hell? (laughs) Hang on a second, you guys. Oh, hi! Look, it's my wife, Cameron Esposito! Hang on a minute. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Oh my God, you're on the second mic. This is very fun. I know, it's terrible. I look at your hair. Doesn't it look beautiful? It looks fantastic. It's so I, perfect. I was just talking about hair. My eyelash got in my eye so bad I'm when sorry. I was telling jokes uh-huh. on television. That and sounds like what I was saying, like the barrettes were for me. It was digging yeah. into your eyeball. But I... Totally, I was like a real soldier. <laughs> yeah. Real stand-up soldier. And I just powered through <laughs> and still told jokes. Yeah. Even though I was having some very ouching. Very ouching. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, first of all, Rhea Butcher is so funny. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron Esposito. I was hearing Already? some of your stuff and then Beth was back there and I was like, how do I get out? She was like, knock on the door. And I was like, that's a genius idea. It's great. But it's I didn't put my... Sesame I, didn't, Street. I wish I had... I knocked sure, with yeah. the knuckles. You and I been sh- like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then been like, Ebenezer Scrooge! And then I would be like, that's a horse of a different color. <laughs> door jokes. Just door jokes. Wait, but what's... General what? door, door jokes. What? Is that from the... What is it from? The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I've never seen The Man. But I've never seen The Wizard of Oz. She's never seen that movie. I'm sorry. I've seen a lot of other movies. (laughs) But I know what The Wizard of Oz is about. It's about Queen Latifah. Sure. And she is green. Yeah. (laughs) And she has to go into a bank, and she's got to get that money from that bank. She does have to get that money from that bank. She's got to set it off. (laughs) About to set it off. That's a really good movie, by the um, way. Yo, so do you know who I just met? I think I told them all already. Oh, who you, you said everyone? Yeah, I did. All the people? I didn't know you were going to be the droid? Yes, I led with the droid. Wait, do you know what else? No one was driving that guy. So he was real? I think he's real. Here's what's happening. Like I was getting my makeup thing. done, and then I just looked out at the, <laughs> the door, and then just... <laughs> so it was a really funny joke. And did the, did the makeup go... <laughs> yeah. The woman was like, ah! yeah, exactly. That was really cool. Uh, then I went over and I was like, oh, can I get my picture? And then I like hugged the thing and then the 
droid's handler was like, do not touch Baby Aid. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yo, yo, for sure, like, this droid is, like, wit- worth, like, so much more money. Oh, so much more money. Than I have. <laughs> sure. Do you know who has more money than that droid is worth? Mark Cuban. Yeah. He was very nice. He was so tall. His back was firm. There you go. See, I was very curious. You weren't sure if he was going to be tall or firm Well, back? I just said I didn't want to body shame, but I really wanted to see his body because he you looks know what? like a seven-foot-tall toddler. like a dolphin. He's All right. taut. Okay. <laughs> Outspoken owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And I made a joke. I made a joke about him because what was happening was... Inside shark reference on that one. <laughs> Inside shark ball? Yeah. Um, he... What happens is that James Corden says, like, we got all these guests, and then they go... Does and he say it on his walkie-talkie? <laughs> no, I was holding a phone. This is a phone. Oh. He's... God. <laughs> what did you not even do improv? I'm, I'm very old. I'm from Rock the Vote times. Um, so what had happened? Oh, yeah, because they come into all the dressing rooms, and they go, like, what's going on in here? So I was the last... Getting dressed! One. <laughs> They don't tell you when they're coming, and you're nude. Well, that was actually my biggest yeah, you fear get today. Fully naked every I, time you do late. I am like not afraid of almost anything. And well, no, 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 like ghosts, <laughs> being murdered, a lot of ways with knives, rusty knives, big long knife, sure, sword, big long rusty knife, yeah, sure, little knife even worse though. Long, Isn't long that time. true? Do you know what I mean? Like if you thought about like. <laughs> No, 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 not that kind of knife. I mean a little knife, and then somebody's like... Because <laughs> they're going to skin your arm. Ew. Well, you're the one that married me. Um, and you told me all about Hannibal the other day. I did tell you all about Hannibal. I had to ask, because I saw a picture of a Ray Liotta getting his brain eaten. I was like, I know what that is. That's Hannibal. I've never even seen that movie, but... I bet that's what that is. So I woke you up. <laughs> and I was like, like Ria, tell me about Hannibal. Be real with me. When is Ray Leo to get his brain eaten? And you're like, Hannibal. I was like, I know, go back to bed. <laughs> but then I was like, get up again. Tell me the whole plot. Start at the beginning. <laughs> oh, the guy gets eaten by pigs? Gross. <laughs> Megan likes it when I... Summarize movies. That's Megan, our photographer. She does such a wonderful job. Give show. it up for Megan, the photographer. Oh, and Hannah's back. Hannah was away. Hannah's back. Yeah, Hannah was away. It's really nice to have Hannah back. Hello, Hannah. Yeah. Hannah's a producer on the show. That's so nice. And Ryan is in the booth, and he's a producer on the show. And Ryan, we should get a round of applause. And Ryan's girlfriend is my makeup artist. Also mine. And she makes me look so eyebrowy. Eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, what were we talking about? Well, can I say one last thing about... Yeah. Because we were talking about Little movies. Knives. I'll talk to you guys about my haircuts later, because there's more to it, but like, I'll talk to you too about it. Yeah, we'll just, come up between. I'll put a pin in it. I'll put a tiny knife in it, and then we'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, because it's International Women's Day, this is like a cool thing to share with you guys if you didn't already see it on the internet. But um, the other Wachowski 
uh, came out today. Yes. Uh, and is also a lady. And so give it up for the Wachowski sisters. Yes. Because that is so fucking cool. It is cool. And it's like, very cool. I hate it when movie studios are like, we're going to repackage the movie. It's going to have all these extras. But they better damn sure repackage every single one of their DVDs and Blu-rays with the Wachowski sisters on it. And I will buy every single one five times. <laughs> Oh, Rhea, well, you know how movie studios are always like, if we can sell five of these. <laughs> I do know. Then they are worth making. I do We know. are Universal Studios. And if we can sell five DVDs to a lesbian in a place. Yeah, I want, I want DVDs. I want like a hard yeah, I want to go backwards. Yeah. Oh, but do you want to know? Oh, this was the joke. <laughs> They come into your dressing room, and then you have to be like, oh, no, and you have to do a bit. <laughs> sure. And I was pretending I was on the phone, and then I was like, James, hang on. I'm selling Mark a bunch of businesses. It's very funny, I thought. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, what businesses are you selling? And I said, because I didn't thing that far. So I said, lesbian laundromat? And I said, to clean your lesbians? And then that's the whole segment. Like, later I'm on the show doing jokes, but... They're like, goodbye! And I was like... That was very funny. You know who's so nice? Who's nice? Connie Britton is so nice. I figured Mrs. Coach was nice. She's... Actually, so is Mark. They're both really nice. I told them about you. <laughs> oh, great. What'd you say? Well, I actually didn't tell Connie about you. We just oh, didn't get into it. Oh, not cool. But I said to Mark, I was like, my wife and I, you're the only television we watch. Yeah. We only watch, but I lied to him because we watch him on Shark Tank. We watch The Prophet. Sure we do. And Mark we watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's the only three Those shows. Those are the three shows we watch. And Transparent Season 2, episodes oh, through the end. Plus, also, <laughs> The People vs. O.J. Simpson, Connie Britton's on that, so... Oh, yeah, she is. She is on that show. Yeah, that's and why I she do was watch there. that show. She's promoting that, and I was like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to Sarah Paulson for me. Yeah, I told One her. One person yeah. gets that joke. <laughs> do you want to, real quick, before we bring out our first comic, can we just real quick tell the Sarah Paulson story? Yeah. When Super we fast. first moved here to Los Angeles, we went to the dog park and with our dog. and <laughs> Alone. <laughs> Sin's dog. Yeah. We had a baby at the time, but it got eaten. Got rid so. of it. In the dog park. Um, we went to the dog park, and I was like, Rhea, like, don't freak out, but I'm getting recognized right now. And then Rhea was like, I said, no. No. That's Sarah Paulson. That's Sarah Paulson. And you are recognizing her. <laughs> Cameron Esposito. Yeah, Rhea Butcher. <laughs> oh, you guys. This is going to be such a fun show. All the comics on this show are amazing. So uh, this first comic, she is one of my favorites. Uh, Chicago comic, killing it all over. She has a great album out called Simply the Beth. Give it up for Beth Selling, you guys.
the first time I've ever done this, and I... Where, you hold it, hold that. Uh, it's safer over here. Hey. Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. I, um... I'm wearing flowy things because I ate too much for the last couple months. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my feelings are kind of like a studio album. Um, they don't come out until like 11 months after the events that inspired them. So, <laughs> so I'm experiencing some trauma from last year. But, you know, ice cream heals it up. Uh, I just came from Jenny's ice cream. It's on Hillhurst and Clarissa. Um, I have a, an affinity for it, sure, because it started in Columbus, Ohio, and I am from Dayton, Ohio. Um, it's weird. Nobody cheered, but... <laughs> I love Jenny's because um, they're millionaires, but when you walk in, they're like, oh, did you want to try the uh, sweet potato? Yeah. Joe made... Th- this is from Joe's farm. And you're just like, yeah, I don't know who the fuck Joe is. And they're like, yeah, well, we're just here to make ice cream for our friends. <laughs> I was like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So emotional about this. <laughs> for a while there, I was like a frozen yogurt Cinderella uh, in the way that I knew when all the locations closed. So... <laughs> the strike of 11 p.m. I was like (laughs) and I don't know if it's because I had already had it three times that day and I had diarrhea or just the anxiety took over my body and I was like oh I missed my chance one I did go three times in one day Chase Bank called me (laughs) and they're like there's been a breach in security on your debit card And I said, the only breach was in my (laughs) self-esteem. I won't do it again until I do, which is probably tomorrow. I was in uh, San Francisco this past weekend doing some shows. Um, I was staying uh, in a hotel there, and uh, I usually, I'm in a lot of those. hotels and usually I'll take the elevator that's how I get up to my room and I'm uh, (laughs) I'm full of sherbet I'm not thinking right but (laughs) I'm usually in there with like an old white man in the elevator and it's only a matter of time before he looks over at me and he'll say like you're quiet Why so serious? Why don't you smile? And I look at him and I say, I have to shit. (laughs) It's really focused. Um, Getting back to my room. (laughs) So I don't shit my pants. And And then I leave. My mom had a birthday, uh, her name's Diane. I didn't know that until recently. I've just been calling her mom for so long. But happy birthday, Diane. My mom still, uh, she's in Ohio. She lives at home. <laughs> Loser. And 
she lives there with her boyfriend. He is a uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. <laughs> Spent a lot of time together. <laughs> Cameron, I think, has probably met my mom, and that makes it funny for her backstage, you know? Uh, yeah, she's a sweet, sweet lady. Um, Nigel, her and Nigel spent a lot of time together. I feel like all he's doing is usually just trying to eat her food and putting his penis on her good pillows, but <laughs> like any good boyfriend. But I dated a guy once who I caught eating a booger. <laughs> in his defense, he said there was still some cocaine in it. Do you know how unhealthy it is when you wish your boyfriend just ate regular boogers? <laughs> I have never done coke in my life. I'm terrified of uh, feeling out of control, except for um, when I'm shoving food in my mouth. <laughs> That's the only time I feel safe. Uh, yeah, I was prescribed Adderall at, in high school or in college for ADHD, I was like, you're a little late. <laughs> I've already found some coping mechanisms. It's not doing my work. So I tried to do Adderall prescribed to me. I was a theater major, and um, you, know, it's not, you don't really need that to focus on a back rub, but <laughs> or you know, really being a giraffe in class. So, I had to watch, um, what's that movie? Scarface, I think it is, right? Is that Al Pacino? Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Godfather. I get them all confused. Uh, I had to watch Godfather while I had just started taking Adderall, and um, I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> During the scene where he shoots somebody in the bathroom stall, I was like, these gotta go. And I, I uh, tossed him down the toilet. I, did, I sold some of them to... Uh, <laughs> To a boy that I now regret selling it to. He's, he's like a tiny, he's like a miniature horse. <laughs> I could have given him a heart attack. One time my mom, <laughs> my mom <wa> <laughs> was sending me and my sisters off to go hang out. And she's like, you two, why don't you guys, why don't you go enjoy a little girl on girl? <laughs> She only topped the time when we were playing cards and she drew a two and she was like, ooh, I'll keep the deuce. <laughs> or do you want to take the... I'm like, no, mom, that's not... You can't say that kind of stuff. I think they should uh, teach foreplay in school. That's just something I've written here. <laughs> And for my big closer, <laughs> my mom is a school teacher and she has the summers off. So this summer she had to get um, a hysterectomy, which is a huge bummer because it's like my childhood home is gone. <laughs> I'll never go back. Yeah, it's just nice to have the option for so long. Uh, you guys have been a wonderful crowd and thank you for having me. so good at stand-up comedy it's fun for for real when 
This is 100% true. When I started doing stand-up comedy in Chicago, Illinois, there was one other female comic that was doing stand-up there at that time. There were more before that. There were more after that. When we started, there was a little Cami Esposito, a little Beth Stellan. Those are the two, those are the two yeah. ladies on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I love you too. And she's like a huge success and a total hero. It's really fucking fun to be with her for like 10 years and Woo. do all that together. So one more time for Beth. <laughs> and now sometimes we even get to be on the same lineups. <laughs> That's the thing about two female comics in one scene. You will never see that other comic. Because they couldn't put you together. That would be disgusting. <laughs> It's got to be 97 guys, one chick. <laughs> All right, guys. I can't wait uh, for you to see this next dude because he was one of those 97 guys. No, but he was. But also, a friend of mine from, from back in Chicago, and I love his material so much, I'm so glad that he's here. I don't know if you've done... Have you done Put Your Hands Together before? Yep. I was, I think, out of town when you did it, or maybe I have a terrible memory, but he's a wonderful man. You guys are going to love his stuff. Let's hear it right now from Mr. Matty Ryan. Keep it going for Camaria, you guys. Give a round of applause and for Beth. Oh man, we all started in Chicago together. It's great. I love those gals. I was uh, a couple weeks before I got here. My girlfriend and I uh, got in an argument at the grocery store, uh, which is like the kind of argument you want to get in with a significant other, like a public one with strangers around. Those are good. Uh, we got an argument. Okay, she. It happened because she caught me stealing at the grocery store. Which she was not pumped about because I'm an adult man and not a small boy stealing candy. Uh, she, all right, it wouldn't have been as bad, but like she saw me steal in real in like real time and immediately and loudly addressed it in the aisle, like it was her first day on earth. There's people in the aisle. She's like, "Oh my god, are you stealing that right now? <laughs> are you out of your mind?" Yeah. So shh, with your mouth, please. I was stealing saffron from Trader Joe's, okay? Who fucking pays for saffron? Only assholes. Are you serious? $1,000 for a pinch? I'm trying to make a nice soup? Just come with me. I've also stolen every spice I've ever eaten in my whole life. I'm going to keep doing that till I'm dead. Uh, if you guys aren't stealing spices, you are fucking up big time. So bad. Okay, like in my life, there exists a canyon-like divide between the quality of life I like to experience and the available resources to provide for that quality of life. And spice thievery is one way I shrink that canyon just a little bit. Like, come over to my place and like, yeah, my spice rack is pretty impressive, you guys. Stole every single one of them. You should be too. Okay, like, all right. Do I have four different colors of peppercorns in my apartment? Yeah, because I'm not a savage, okay? That's some kind of animal up here with one kind of peppercorn. Now, did I pay for any of those peppercorns? No, because I'm not the Prince of France. Do you understand? It's like a checks and balances system, I think. Probably not checks and balances. Something else that makes more sense in that scenario. You guys get it. Just steals. Oh, especially like the, like the tiny little short stack cylinder, like the little short. If you guys aren't stealing those, I don't even know what to tell you. Too far gone. And stores, if you don't want people to steal your merchandise, don't make an $11 thing small enough to fit into a human mouth. Or we'll snatch it like a sleight of hand magic trick at a dinner table. You guys, listen, I just want to get as many people as I can to just steal spices. Like, it's my new, th like, I want to start, like, a revolution. Like, if one person leaves and never pays for spices again, I'm like, I fucking nailed it. That was a good show. I don't care if no one laughed. That one dude never paid for spices again. I'm like a new teacher that's like, if I can just raise one student per class, 
I made a difference. Also, like, again, like, as, like, a cultural revolution, this is the closest I can come to, like, the V for Vendetta guy. (laughs) Sort of my intelligence tops out. Like, I don't... I didn't know anything about Wall Street or finance or even, like, basic math. Um, but are you doing this old man McCormick has had it too good for too long. I refuse to contribute to that gravy train anymore. Let's get out there, you guys. Let's roll our sleeves up, get our hands dirty. Stop paying for spices, all right? It's going to be great. Be good here. I mean, I am from Chicago. I grew up uh, in Chicago in, like, an all-Irish Catholic neighborhood. Um, like, my grandparents are from Ireland and raised my mom very strictly uh, Irish Catholic. It fucked her up real good. <laughs> And she, like, tried to do a better job. I mean, my sister did, for sure. But, like, there was still some, like, residual effects from her strict... Uh, like, especially, like, some, like, old phrases that made it their way over from the old country that she, like, injected into her childhood. Some of them were not as bad. Like, right, one was, um, sit down before I knock you down. Not, it's not bad. It's not, that one's fine. Uh, another one was, um, I'll rip your arm off and beat you with the bloody end of it. Which is very vivid imagery for a child. Um... Uh, the worst one was, okay, I was five, my sister was four, we were playing in the backyard with a ball, and my sister wouldn't share the ball. So in an attempt to teach my sister how to share, my mom took the ball from my sister, and my sister slapped my mom right in her face. It was like a dick move, you know? Even for a four-year-old, it's like, grow up, just a ball, you know? <laughs> my mom didn't give the ball back, because that's not how cheering works. Like, you hit someone till you get your shit back. Uh, so my sister went to hit my mom in the face again, and on the way in, my mom just grabbed her arm and just goes, Hey! Do you know what happens to little boys and girls who hit their mothers? We are like, nah. <laughs> what happens? She goes, when you die, after you're buried, your arm sticks out of the grave, and dogs come chew on your bones. <laughs> yeah, and I was there. I was five. Okay, I was like, holy fuck. Are you serious? What a terrible world this is. So I start sobbing immediately, like scream, aggressive sobbing. Um, it wasn't even my arm. I was just a sensitive sweet boy. You know? <laughs> just worried about my sister. I was also like a total spaz and like little Maddie. It was like a very vivid imagination. So I was picturing like, like these dogs just tearing apart my sister's baby arm. It was a bad, it was a bad. Okay, so then my sister starts crying. So now we're both scream crying. My mom's like, oh boy. Oopsies, just fuck these kids up real good. How do we backtrack? So she tried and failed. So she's like, ah, never mind. <laughs> what? She's like, as long as she's like a nice girl, like says please and thank you, like holds doors, the dog, you know, the dogs will fucking stay home and everyone will keep their arms. But again, I was a little spaz. So like I was already too far deep into this new reality I'd learned about 40 seconds ago. I just wasn't fucking having it. I was like, no, it's too late, Mom. She already hit you that first time, remember? Rules is rules, Ma. All right? Once you've awoken the beast, you can't pull the beast back to bed. These arm dogs are insatiable. It was a weird couple weeks of my life, just like pacing around the house, trying to like deconstruct the logic. Like, do the dogs live in the cemetery? Do they live around it? And they just know? How do the dogs know which dead people hit their moms? Are they like demon skeleton dogs? Are they made of bones? Because we're just like in school, like in first grade, like, hey, you guys, you guys ever hit your mom? Yeah, even on accident. You, Sully? All right, take a seat. You're going to shit your dick off, kid. <laughs> That'll do it for me, you guys. Give it up for Camaria. Thanks so much. Fatty Riot, you guys. He has a very chill mom. Uh, I was just going to finish talking about my haircut real quick. It's just real quick. It has no momentum, so it's basically just me giving you a book report on my haircut in 1993. But that's okay, because it's a real fun show. Um, I just am glad that I found this guy named Pony, who's super cool, and cuts my hair, because I used to have to get my hair cut in northeastern Ohio for my entire life. And people were like, what do you want? 
No. <laughs> and so I would just always get like a Jodie Foster bob every time I got my hair cut. And then I would have that chin length haircut. And then my mom would introduce me to her friends at the mall or something. And then that friend would be like, oh, she looks just like Jodie Foster. And my mom would be like, oh, yeah, it's the haircut. And they'd be like, no. Something else. <laughs> but I got that haircut one time, and it was slightly different. Because this, I, I, for the first time, like, interacted with a gay person when I was a kid. And I did not know what that was. Although I did know, I was like, this person seems like me in some way. I can't figure out why. Can't figure it out. I think it's just that uh, he talks different. Like, I just couldn't figure out why I was, like related to this person in some way uh, and he was cutting my hair and he was like I'm going to give you something different because you are a little different and so he gave me this bob but when he did not give me a part that went straight through my hair he gave me a zigzag part and then also cut a chunk out of the back of my hair and he was like now you're going to be different and I was like I didn't want to be this different <laughs> But the kicker was that this gentleman's name in 1993 in Northeastern Ohio was Jez. <laughs> and so I salute you, Jez, for changing my life just a little bit and giving me that super weird haircut <laughs> that no one understood <laughs> and most people thought was a mistake. Thank you, Jez. Jez Bush. Yes. Anyway, uh, okay, so we're going to keep the show going. All the comics on this show are so great, and I love this ex-comic. I uh, love it when he comes by. He's also super funny on Twitter. You guys should follow him. It's at Grant, Grantpa. You guys, give it up for Grant Pardee. Hey, hi, wow, it's me, hey, Grantpa. <laughs> in the flesh can you believe it it's me yeah you guys gotta follow my uh, I am huge on the internet I don't really have that many followers on the on the central at grandpa account but just to kind of clue you guys in uh, I am uh, very very big uh, with my other accounts I've got like so many followers so please follow that one you can do it at Anytime during the show, if you want, it's totally fine. This is just kind of getting this out of the way. Uh, I'm at who is John Galt, uh, so please follow me there. Uh, and then also please follow me on Facebook.com slash official Atlas Shrugged Movie Part 1. That's really where I'm killing it. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram.com slash Ayn Rand quotes. It's all Ayn Rand quotes. And I really believe the poor deserve it. That's uh, it. Thanks very much. See you. Goodbye. Take that, libertarians. <laughs> I'm Grant. Hello. I have a beard and glasses. I'm a cool guy. Straight white male. I am boring. I have no point of view. I am the third comedian on the bill so far to have moved here from Ohio. Uh, very small, conservative little town in Ohio. Uh, reminds me of the Friday Night Lights show, except in Ohio and with a losing football team. That's where I'm from. <laughs> Very straight, very straight, white male, that kind of thing. My first black friend was The Wire on DVD. <laughs> fun, 
to not be there anymore. Uh, I was born in Buffalo, New York, which is kind of like the butthole version of Detroit. And the part of Ohio that I'm from is so boring that I kept being like, no, I'm from Buffalo. I'm different. I'm from Buffalo. Like, that was like my cool place. And then <laughs> just going like, wow, this is the saddest place. As we're at the, uh, if you don't know, the big thing about Buffalo is that they have two sports teams and they're perennial losers. And the big threat for a long time is that they would kind of lose. It's like the religion there. Uh, that they would move to Los Angeles, where we are right now. And it didn't happen. They're going to they're gonna stay there. Instead, you guys, we're getting a football team next year. We're getting the Rams. That's exciting. And they're going to be bringing their mediocre brand of football to Los Angeles <laughs> from the Midwest, which is the only way to move to Los Angeles. <laughs> right here. I live around here. I like this neighborhood a lot. Franklin Village is a fun neighborhood. I like to... Uh, Sometimes I walk down to Hollywood, too, go to the Amoeba Musics and so on. Uh, and I like to enjoy seeing the people that are visiting. They remind me of me from years ago when I was first visiting. And they're walking around Hollywood Boulevard, families, just all the hope draining from their eyes, realizing this is not scenic. This is just dildo shops for miles. Where's... Where are the stars? Where are the... But they, you see them try to make the most of it with the stars on the sidewalk. And just really trying to be like, no, we're going to take the picture, we're going to enjoy it. And I kind of like that, because I remember, I like that, you know, I like to see who they're looking at. And I give them a little bit of tips, too, because I know that, you know, they appreciate that. I have the insider knowledge, and I let them know that, oh, yeah, this is where these people are buried. They're all buried underneath <laughs> these stars. And we put them in capsules in case we ever need them again. And we rotate them out of the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum down the street. That's where you can see them. And they like that. They appreciate that. So you can give them that knowledge, too. Uh, I am... What about me? I'm a very anxious person. I think most communities are. Most people are. How are you guys doing with your various panic attacks and anxiety <laughs> things? Horrible? Good God, Christ. Fucking horrible. I've realized that all of adulthood is just this. It's just learning to manage this shit until and you get better at it as you get older thankfully you get a little bit better and better and better and better until one day you just master it by dying and then you're <laughs> free you're just free forever I don't know what it is I, I do go to therapy and I do find that helpful I still shotgun a pot of black coffee every morning I don't know if that is contributing to this uh, just all the black coffee just guzzling down I'm only eating apple jacks and my mouth is bleeding all the time. My diet's terrible. <laughs> that might be that might be part of it. Uh, but no, I'm a, I'm a good guy. Happy, happy fella. That's me. <laughs> I have two favorite bands. One is the B-52s and the other is M83. And I want them to form a super group called Strong Password. I think that would be a very cute joke. And those are the kind of cute jokes that you can expect from me, this guy. <laughs> I, uh, I have a sex playlist that is neither of those. It's just the uh, Donnie Darko version of Mad World <laughs> over and over and over again. And I have it on there ten times, but you only need the one because you're both going to get there. Because I like my sex intense, real intense. I got a finishing move because you can use it too. We're probably not going to have sex, any of us and me. Uh, but you can use this with your partners uh, as they're about to climax. Just get in real close and say, check your privilege. Worse every time. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. It's a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of pain. It's like getting choked. You're like, oh, this feels really good, but that's a good point. I should check my privilege more. I am coming right now. What am I doing for my community? Just jizzing all over the place, all over your fleshy parts. Not good. 
Music and sex are fun. That's why I'm the kind of guy when I go out, I'm always like, oh, yeah, this is my jam. I'm like that guy. I'm like, ah, oh, this is my jam. But I only do that if the song's about sex. So I can be like, this is my jam. Having sex, I mean. I like having sex. Huh? What I like doing. That's <laughs> the fun thing. <laughs> I mean, trying to call, I was calling my girlfriend uh, uh, Bay. I think that's over. Don't call people Bay anymore. And she also didn't like that I was calling her vagina the Bay Area. That's just stupid. <laughs> it's dumb. It's a pun. It's not even a good one. Constantly, she's always, is this a bit? Are you working on a bit? When I'm trying to like have sex with her, it's not fine. Just a lot of bad jokes in our relationship. <laughs> just be like, uh, hey, do you, don't you think penises should be called hamstrings? Don't, shouldn't they switch names? That's what I think. Hamstrings back here, penis over here. They should make more sense. It looks like a hamstring is the thing there. It's like a string of ham. And penis is a stupid name. It shouldn't be a thing. Comedians are fun. It's fun to do comedy. Are you guys all doing comedy? It's fun. Do you guys remember? I think about this a lot. Do you think you're a good person? I don't know if I... I think I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. I do remember there was that poll from The Guardian, very respected newspaper, like a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was, that showed comedians versus normal people test higher on having traits of sociopathy. Are all comedians sociopaths? Whoa. Shit. There's been a bazillion episodes of WTF with Mark Maron. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I think comedians are just kind of, they're just, you know, sensitive and neurotic a little bit and and emotional. I don't think they're sociopaths. But I do wonder then, you know, does that mean that all sociopaths are funny? You know? Maybe with that thing? Like, I guess what I'm saying is it's it's good that we have these outlets because maybe Charles Manson would have been okay if we'd just given him a podcast, you know? (laughs) He had something, but maybe if he had like like an improv group or something like that, you know? The family, and then they could have been like, hey, here we are, we got the thing, we're doing it. What should we do? We should kill people. Yes, and we should kill a lot of people. And I've been okay. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if I... I think I'm a good person, not totally sure. I was working in an office recently, and I realized I hated a guy for no reason. I don't know why. Just had no, there was no reason to hate him. He was just like, hey, how are you? And I would say good, but I meant bad, and then I... Just hated him a lot. But I didn't even know that I didn't like him. I didn't know that I didn't like him, but I realized it through observing my own behavior because at a certain point when he would sneeze, I wouldn't say bless you anymore. I would just whisper good. I can't be a good person if that's the case. All right, this was fun, right? This is the end of my set. We did it, right? Yeah, we had a good time. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. He's very funny. He did a great job. Um, today, I was thinking about when I was 16, my best friend had a lake house that she would invite all of our friends to. And so she invited me and a couple other of our girlfriends. And then her dad was going to come with in chaperone because we were 16 we weren't allowed to like be in a house near a lake which was a good idea actually for real I mean we weren't going to do it we didn't even drink nothing was going to happen it was just you understand we were afraid we would be murdered so we had (laughs) 
Her dad came, and then her dad called my dad and was like, yo, yo. He didn't say that. He was like, excuse me, um, how are you? You know, great to talk to you. Really nice to speak to you outside of a swim meet. I was on the swim team. Um, Captain. Thank you so much. You know what? Personality. That's how. It wasn't very good, but it was very funny. People liked it. I did this thing where sometimes halfway through practice, I would go just shower for the rest of practice. Which my coaches really hated, but like the rest of the team thought was like a legit funny stunt. <laughs> so we went to this lake house, and my dad, the dad was like, You come with me, we'll have like a dad's hangout, and then the girls can have like a girl's hangout, and we can all chill together. And so that's what happened. Dads were there, the kids were there, and we were in this small town in Wisconsin where like, do you know that thing where you can go to a bar if your parents are with you? That happens sometimes in some cities. And I don't think it's legal, but it was real. And there was a bar and so that you could go if your parents went with you. And so the dads and these four girls, we went to a bar. It's the first time I went to a bar. I was with my dad. And we like hung out there and I remember thinking like, this is so excellent. Just being an adult, you know, just being taken seriously. <laughs> so we hung out for a little bit. We didn't drink anything, just like the dads drank, and we went like, we just like looked at everyone like. <laughs> and then it was time to leave, and we left, but I had forgotten a disposable camera. That's right, that those were, exist, it was a camera. And you could throw it away. <laughs> I had forgotten a disposable camera at the bar, and we pulled away, and then I was like, oh no! All my best 12 photos are on there! <laughs> so the dads were like, no problem, we'll go back and get them. And, and then I was like, you know what would be so funny is if the people at the bar were using the camera to take pictures of themselves. That would be hilarious. And then we got the camera. My dad went in the bar and picked it up. We came out with it. He was like, huh, that's weird. How many exposures did you say were left on the camera? And I was like, six. And he was like, well, now it's zero. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it came true. Adults took pictures of themselves with no kids around. So now I get to really know what it's like. <laughs> So the next day we like got up really early, went to a Walgreens, got that shit developed. <laughs> Doubles, obviously. <laughs> and we were just like looking at those pictures and the pictures were so fun. It was like adults were like doing like, like right before taking a shot, like and just like putting their arms around each other, just like, we have jobs. Like it was so <laughs> eye-opening. And I felt like I was in the inside of something. It really affected me as the first time I felt like I experienced adulthood. And four years later, I was at college, and it was parents' weekend. And a lot of my roommates' parents were there, and then my parents were there, and we all had to have dinner together. And somebody asked a question, like, when was the first time that you felt like an adult? And I was like, oh, that's easy. I know when that is. The first time I felt like an adult was when I went to, the, I went to, this, I went to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. My dad, dad you, you remember 
to this. And we went to a bar and we left our camera there. And then my dad came off and said, and when I went back to pick it up, I took a picture of a bunch of strangers. And I was like, wait, what now? And he was like, yeah, because you said it would be so funny. I like took a bunch of pictures of strangers and like, like, we've talked about this. Remember, like, we've talked. And I was like, we have never talked about this. And he was like, no, 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 we've talked about this. It was just like a cool thing I did, just kind of make you feel good, have fun in the moment, like when your mom and I would replace your hamster when it died. And I was like, Hammy didn't live for eight years? Because when, when I was five, I had adopted the hamster of my kindergarten class and that hamster lived till I was 13 and I used to talk about like oh shit oh what you have a what how long your hamster lived six months come on my hamster been around for eight years and as he's aged slightly changed his color So I was like, is nothing real? Nothing is real. Hammy's just a regular hamster who died a bunch. And those pictures, you planted those? What are you, the LAPD? I think later I realized why he did it. And I've been thinking about having kids, not now, but someday at a different time which is later from this. (laughs) And the responsibility of that. I think part of the reason, when when I was a really little kid, like three, we had our first pet as a family, and it was a black and white rabbit, and it was called Pinky. You get it. There was no reason, it was just funny. <laughs> and my dad used to put me and my older sister were three years apart and he used to put us to sleep by telling Pinky the rabbit stories. And Pinky the rabbit could talk and travel through time and totally hang out with us as an equal, just like a bunch of 16 year olds in a bar. And our job to teach us responsibility was that we had to go feed Pinky every day. And one morning, my sister and I woke up after probably hearing like a pretty decent Pinky the Rabbit story the night before. And we went out to his hutch. His head had been bitten off by a raccoon. Yeah, it was like opposite Godfather. Just a body. We were like, this bunny is a magic bunny. My dad said this bunny talks. Well, not anymore, because he doesn't even have a mouth. I feel like that might have been when it hatched, this plan, this mega plan. Just like, if we ever have another pet, Cameron ever gets another pet, that thing is living. We are going to make that thing live. And if we accidentally leave a disposable camera on a bar some fighters are going to show up on that I feel like sometimes I feel like he still tries to protect me like that I'm an adult woman trying to get on my own 
he's still like replacing my hamsters. <laughs> Maybe that never ends. That's what that's what's giving me pause. It seems like such a big responsibility. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that as a parent. Would you guys do that? Would you what would you do? Let the person deal with death or replace the hamsters? <laughs> Round of applause for replace the hamsters? Oh, nothing? Oh, go fuck yourselves. Literally go fuck yourselves. You cynical... Fucking bunch of Bernie Sanders supporters. I fucking knew it! With this bullshit in here! Terrible. Maybe you're too young. Maybe you don't get it yet. Someday. Thank you guys so much for letting me tell you that story. Yeah, you can clap. <laughs> Don't feel like you have to stop yourselves. We have two final comics on the show. Now, this next gentleman, he has a new stand-up comedy special coming out that is called Live at the BBC, and you can watch it on BBC America, and he is an American person. So, that's fucking interesting as shit. <laughs> Guys, let's do it right now for Alex Edelman. Give it up for Alex! <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> hey guys, I am traumatized from hearing about the death of so many small animals. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just shot this special, which means I had no material left. So um, I was trying to, j- I'm going to tell you guys three things that I haven't told a lot of people, then I'm going to leave. Um, uh, yeah, I thought that a friend of mine who's another comedian, Andrew, said a good way to start generating new material is tell people secrets about yourself that will make you seem likable. And I was like, oh, cool. And, uh, and he's like, do you have a secret about yourself? And I was like, homophobic in high school. He's like, do you have any other secrets about yourself? <laughs> I was raised Orthodox Jewish, so I went to a yeshiva. Yeshiva is a Hebrew word. It means miserable. And I just didn't know. I never seen... Here's the first, uh, the first secret of tonight. Uh, Cameron Esposito is not only the first female comedian under 40 I had ever seen growing up in Boston, she was also the first lesbian I had ever seen. And I remember thinking, lesbians are fucking hilarious. <laughs> and it, by the way, if you grew up homophobic, don't go to NYU, because it will be an enormous shock to your system. <laughs> I remember the first day of freshman year, I shook my roommate's hand, and he's like, hi, I'm Tyler, I'm gay. And I remember thinking, it's unnatural. And two weeks later, I was like, they're the best roommates you could possibly have. <laughs> They're incredible. <laughs> I lived with Tyler for four years, and then Tyler started dating my other roommate, and they broke up all of junior year. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone's ever lived with a couple that's breaking up, but the atmosphere was recently quelled prison riots. <laughs> and then for the last two months of that year, um, Estoc, who was the guy Tyler was dating, wouldn't talk to me, because I took one of them, I took Estoc to the park, because that's what the internet said to do, and, uh, <laughs> I broke his nose with a frisbee. Uh, not like standing over him, like committing a hate crime. Like I threw it and he missed it. And because I was stubborn, I wasn't going to apologize for something a golden retriever can handle no problem. <laughs> the second secret is not a big one. Uh, it's I was waiting on, to go uh, on stage just now and there's thumbtack up against the back wall. And I was playing with a thumbtack. Uh, and then right before I went on, I smelled my fingers and it was minty. And I was like, oh, it was gum. 
but it didn't taste like mint at all. It tasted like improv. So, um, <laughs> the third thing is that um, what was the third thing I was going to talk? About? Oh, yeah, I'm not psyched about this. Uh, I, the first movie I, uh, anyone remember the movie W? Yes, is a George W. Bush biopic, and it is where I had my first more than kiss hookup, and <laughs> and it's embarrassing for so many reasons, but part of it, people will be like, "Who's your favorite president?" I'm like, "I can't say, and I can't tell you why." <laughs> and I know people are like, "When did that movie come out?" I'm like, "2009." Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> thing is, the problem is I, I got in my own way because I have this thing called intrusive thoughts. Everybody has them. It's, um, uh, but some people have less of a handle on them than others. It's the part of your brain that's when you're standing on a train platform, it's the voice going, don't jump. And you're like, fuck you, I wasn't going to jump. And it's like, let's make a list, pros and cons of jumping. And it's the part of my brain that got me in trouble after a volunteering program at the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, when I went to the high school coordinator and he went, how did you find the program? I went, terrible. Those kids would not take my order. And yeah. It ruined meeting President Obama, that part of my brain. I volunteered for him twice. And I voted for him twice, but never again. And, uh, yeah. T I think, no, we're not doing it again. Not good enough for four more years. And uh, I'm waiting to shake his hand in this receiving line. And receiving lines are really strange. You wait behind a velvet rope, and the dignitary comes down the line, and they shake your hand. It's like a reverse Madame Tussauds. And uh, as he's getting closer to me, that voice in the back of my head is like, when he gets to you, don't punch him in the face. <laughs> and I was like, I voted for him twice. I'm not going to punch him in the face. I'm like, let's make a list. Pros and cons of punching the president. In the I was like, I'm not going to punch the president. And my girlfriend at the time was sitting right next to me, and she saw something in my cheek twitching, and she went, Alex, don't do anything crazy. And I was like, why would I punch the president? <laughs> and so this is what happens. Like, President Obama gets to me. She's cleared out to like make room for the snipers. And here's how it plays out. President Obama puts his hand out and I shake it. And uh, he goes, wow, firm handshake. <laughs> and like a lunatic, I go, you have no idea. <laughs> And this is the last thing I'll say before I go. It's ruined a lot of things because of recent, recently my friend, uh, my friend Murphy, a best friend from childhood, uh, has a, had a baby. And like a lot of my friends have been adopting. And like I was thinking about like adoption, but I think I'm too old and that people won't take me. And like, um, <laughs> like Murphy's had this baby because like uh, he didn't have the baby. His wife had the baby. But, like he helped. I don't know how it works. And like... <laughs> He had me over to hold the, the, uh, the baby, and I won't tell you, by the way, the dialogue that I had in my head, but he's like, he's cute, right? And I'm like, I'm not going to throw him. And <laughs> while I'm holding Jameson, which is the name of the baby, I think it's weird to name your baby after the reason it was conceived, but whatever. <laughs> and I'm holding Jameson, and uh, Jameson starts to cry, and his wife goes, 
who, she's, she's never been fond of me, uh, Ariel. She goes, His, uh, 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 Jameson doesn't like you. <laughs> and without thinking, I just went, well, it's too bad. He's a baby. <laughs> and she's like, he's very intuitive. And I should have just shut up and handed back the baby, but I went, he's not. He shits himself. <laughs> That's the number one sign someone isn't intuitive. <laughs> if you worked with someone and they shat themselves on the rag, you've had a lot of words to describe them, intuitive would be at the bottom. <laughs> and then Murphy gave me this look that meant, keep going. And uh, uh, after a bit, she apologized. She went, sorry, I'm a little uptight because people are judging us for the way we're raising Jameson. And I didn't really know what that meant, because I was like, you can't, there's only like two ways to raise a baby. There's normal and there's free range. And like, <laughs> you can't do free range, wolves get in. So like, <laughs> so I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, and I did not know this was a thing, and now I'm hyper aware of it. She went, we're not going to vaccinate him until we know more. And I was like, here, take your fucking disease bag back. <laughs> uh... People are afraid of autism. And by the way, I'm not autistic, but I have been tested 11 times. So, like, <laughs> she said, and I, I sort of lit into her. And after a while, she went, well, it's my opinion. And I went, it's a dumb opinion. And she went, well, it is my opinion. And I went, it's a terrible opinion. <laughs> and she went, you can't judge me for my opinion. And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> it's how we judge people. <laughs> Opinions in action. It used to be skin color, but someone had a dream, so now. <laughs> All right, there's more to that, but I gotta go. You guys have been super lovely. Thank you so much for putting up with me. I'm Alex Edelman. I'll see you later. Alex Edelman, you guys. He was talking about uh, the first movie that he did more than make out in, and it was W. So I felt like I might want to up the stakes or up the ante, if you were, Will, if you were, as you were, whatever. I drank a whole Diet Coke backstage, so. <laughs> Flying high right now. Um, the first movie, the first time I ever did more than make out, uh, I was watching a movie, and that movie was Boys Don't Cry. <laughs> it was at the beginning at the beginning of the movie and also we've come so far <laughs> and we've come to the end of our show and we have one comic left are you excited about it he is super funny you may have seen him on Fallon we love it when he comes by you guys give it up for Nate Bargatze you guys um, what are you working on right now what's your life like uh, the road a ton yeah 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 I'm out every single I think every week till June. You know, some night, I mean, y'all, it's like some of us out by. Yeah. Know, with y'all. And then, well, I think y'all leave before I get there. Or yeah. Leave, and then, well, I think we're there till Monday. When are you Yeah, here? Monday. Yeah. Uh, so, they're, yeah, just doing that in the road and like. I just um, got done with two and a half years out with that kind of schedule. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, how, how far in do you think you are? Because uh, you, you're. You too hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing it for 13 years now. But so. I mean, like that level on of the road. Uh, I would say a couple years, like, yeah. like headlining where. Yeah. But you know, only now, just recently, like even like kind of figuring out. Now to be able to do like an hour without like being like, I don't know if I want to get to an hour. <laughs> uh, you know what is funny? I feel like I 
went the other way this year where like I just did a set tonight, a TV set, yeah. and I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna do five minutes because like yeah, yeah. once you start doing hours and that feels yeah. really normal. Like to yeah. me, an hour is like totally fine, yeah. easy breezy, and yeah. then five minutes becomes becomes impossible because yeah. you're like, how do I teach them all the things yeah. I need to tell them? I know, and it's like you in it flip flop because I used to be good at that. Yeah. Now it's like you gotta almost get out of that. Yeah. To learn now a joke, every joke is probably five minutes versus right. they used to not be. And right. Now like, yeah, you're like. So you're like, hey Conan, can I come tell one joke? Yeah. On your show. I know. You know what? Yeah. And that always feels like I, I like the idea of it, uh, but it does feel weird. It does I feel, feel like weird. where you're like, it, it, that's just kind of like how I feel like, yeah, late night set shouldn't be. One joke, you know, it's like it is like you almost like even if you just like I was thinking of one where I have a long joke. And then, but it's like even to add a little thing at the beginning that's unrelated, yeah. Then that can get into it, so it doesn't feel like it's just one thing. I mean, it's hard for me to do that because I'm so freaking wordy. It's generally going to just be like one thing. I'm doing yeah. it. It's going to be one thing. Well, if you can do it, mix it in. I mean, yeah. you know, because sometimes people can think that one thing is uh, you can have a bunch real, of things. They real think it's all one thing. Yeah. Where are you going next? So I can tell people uh, you. I'm going to uh, South. Let me look. Uh, sorry, hold oh, on, yeah, hold on, worry. guys. They're gonna—they're waiting with bated breath. They're like, oh my gosh, where's he gonna be? Uh, the going first to thing they get to South by. Yeah, the first thing I can. Yeah, South by, and then after that, I'm doing the Slingshot Festival in Athens, Georgia. Oh great! And then uh, Comedy Club on State. Those are the clubs. And Comedy Club on State is so fun, and everybody yeah. will come see you because yeah, that's a great place to it's hang. A great place to hang. Yeah, <laughs> and go walk around, and go to the yeah. Capitol. Ian's pizza, yeah. and then you're done. And then. You did it. Yeah, Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Get up for Nate! We did it. Oh, hey, you know what I want to say? Is that we're going to be at South by Southwest. Yes, we are. Uh, this weekend. Now, listen, I know this doesn't affect you motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know your lives. You might all be getting on private planes right after this and going right to South by, and you and the president hanging out roll tight. And then he's like, I wish Michelle was here. And you're like, but she's headlining. It doesn't matter. My point is, um, we. but this is also a podcast. Yes, it so, is. So that's great news for you guys, too, because you loved it tonight. You thought this was a great show, and you were like, this is very valuable. <laughs> and so you can listen to it when you're not even here. Sitting, yeah, sitting all here. the time. You take it. You're, you take it with you. I don't know on your plane or whatever. Um, but for the people listening, we will be at Esther's Follies on Saturday at 10 p.m. And we will be at the Hideout on Sunday the 13th mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. How did I remember that? Great job! Unbelievable! I think you kept it in your hair. <laughs> You remember the dates it's in your so hair. much, isn't it? It's a lot of hair. It took a while. That's it's very to get it to go up. Revolutionary. Yeah, and then he put it straight up, and I was like, "No, kid, it's got to go to the right." Um, it's like really turned out great, though. You guys, let's hear it for everybody you saw on the show. Let's hear it for Cameron's hair. Let's hear Maria Butcher. We are here every Tuesday night. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Put your hands together. 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 Put your hands together.
your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.